Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news, here on KWVH, Wimberley Valley Radio. I'm Salwa Khan. We're continuing with a focus on diet and how meat production has a serious detrimental effect on the environment. Meat, whether from a cow, pig, lamb, goat, or chicken, is an expected part of the American diet. Many people think they cannot get essential nutrients without eating meat, which is not true. And as you probably know, multiple studies have found links between meat-based diets and the most common diseases affecting Americans, including heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Something you may not have heard much about is how meat is related to environmental problems. Even the major environmental organizations tiptoe around this issue, something I don't understand. It's time for us to face the fact that meat production is responsible for massive deforestation, air pollution, methane, which is the most potent and harmful of greenhouse gases, water pollution, erosion of topsoil, and desertification. These harmful effects are very real and have been documented and proven over time. Yet, most people choose to disregard the evidence that shows meat production does more damage to the environment than the transportation industry. To talk about this is my first guest, Pamela Rice, the author of the book, 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. We're talking about the production of meat, so whether from cows, pigs, chickens, or other animals, uh, it depletes, destroys, and pollutes our environment. And I know a lot of people will find what I'm what I just said sort of sounding overblown, but there's more enough more than enough facts to support that statement. So, um, and interestingly, most people who are uh, who claim to be sincerely concerned about climate change and the environment fail to recognize the serious harmful effects of meat production focusing instead on cars, planes, burning of fossil fuels, uh, which have obviously are issues, but, uh, but you know, the, the, this, this issue should not be ignored either. So uh, let's start, uh, start by talking about the many ways in which a meat-centered diet damages the environment. Well, uh, I would put that in uh, three different categories, uh, resource depletion, a lot of resources are non-renewable. The main resources are water, oil, topsoil. These are the big ones that are actually being depleted. They're like it's like a mine. You can mine it out of existence, and then it's not there anymore. Uh, it's non-renewable. Uh, water, water. We're literally running out of water, and now we also have. Um, high-tech pumping technologies where we can we can go very low down into the earth to extract water mm -hmm. and these are high-tech things uh, where we are lowering the water table as well forever forever mm -hmm. so water is water is going to be more valuable than oil that's the prediction of of experts uh, but oil is also, I've been talking about peak oil for, for years, and there's a lot of actually controversy about that. Uh, um, and topsoil, 
the United States, uh, we have our topsoil has been diminished diminished by by actual feet. Um, so we're, we're getting to the end. Um, so there's depletion of natural resources, but there's also pollution of natural resources. And we all know about that. We all know about uh, air pollution, land pollution, and uh, water pollution. But most people don't know about a more insidious type of, uh, of pollution, which is the hallmark of animal agriculture. And that is something called non point source pollution, that is runoff, runoff of chemicals from, uh, from farmland mostly right. because uh, we're throwing lots of chemicals and also fertilizer in just wild abandon on, on crops that are mostly used in America for feed. Fertilizers are petrochemical. They actually are produced right. using oil. So it, it's a fossil fuel, basically, we're throwing on our crops. And that actually um, comes off into the air as well. Um, and the land, obviously, meanwhile, while all this non-point source pollution is heading toward the Gulf of Mexico or into the water, um, it is is polluting the land as well. It's acidifying the land. And, and of course, we know about our oceans being acidified. Right. And all of this is because of runoff. And the, the main reason for that is, um, is, is fertilizers. And uh, so also, I mean, f factory farms, um, I... I, I Probably your listeners are know what a factory farm is. A lot of uh, people have no clue about it. They uh, they go to their local restaurant. They order anything on the menu without any thought whatsoever where this this comes from. But we have today um, something called factory farms, and so there's all kinds of pollutants that come off of these. The first and foremost, of course, is just mountains upon mountains of manure that just cannot be properly uh, disposed of and uh, properly processed in any way. And it ends up in the water. It ends up on the land. It ends up and it even ends up in the air. So, and, and some of the uh, some of these manures obviously contain the things that the animals have been eating, and have been given, such as drugs and antibiotics and other damaging. Absolutely, another thing that that people just have n no awareness of is that animals are given the lion's share of of drugs today, and people don't think about that either. So we've got pollution and we've got resource depletion. Those are the big, big categories there. Right. Again, uh, now you mentioned factory farming, and I'm, uh, as you said, I don't think many people understand the actuality of that. Is it possible no. to kind of uh, draw a picture using maybe a particular animal <laughs> as our sure. as our symbol? So how does a Absolutely. cow or a pig go through a factory oh, farming all. system? It, and it, what are the what are the inputs that that animal gets? And you know, what's it, it putting out? 
it's it's too hideous to even speak about. It, it's like talking about child trafficking, uh, you know, or, or or something just very unpleasant to even think about. And that's why people don't. Um, they they say I don't want to know about that. Pigs and um, cows. It's all extremely intensive, extremely, where the animal is given a tiny bit of space. So. Just imagine yourself in in, an, in a crowded elevator. You know, you spend oh at maximum a minute in an elevator right. for the most part, maybe a minute and a half on the outside. How would you like to be in that elevator with other human beings for um, a year and a half? Uh, and you had to do all of your business. You have to defecate. You you eat. Um, and you just want your own space. And the, so the animals are actually, for the most part, living in space the size just a bit larger than their own bodies. Uh, and uh, again, I mean, it's astounding. Uh, a lot of people would say, well, that can't possibly be true, but, but it is. It's high tech. And the animals are caught in this system that is is so hard to believe that they get away with it. They get away with it because people don't even, they can't possibly believe that this is really happening and they really don't want to know about it. But we're talking about sentient beings um, that, that um, you know, have emotions and desires and, and everything that you do. You know, a, a chicken, a fish, you know, has emotions and intelligence. Um, it, it, but even if they didn't, it's just plain, utterly cruel in every sense of the word. From top to bottom, there is nothing kind about it. One thing we didn't talk about is methane from, from cows. Is that an issue? Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, methane is a greenhouse gas, and it's one of the more potent ones. And also nitrous oxide is another even more potent. Uh, both of these are emitted. These gases are emitted from these massive, quote-unquote, lagoons the farming industry calls them lagoons. Uh, you know, you, you, you think of uh, a beautiful woman, you know, uh, <laughs> out in a, uh, you know, right. next to a lagoon. This is not that kind of lagoon. <laughs> right. it's, it, it is a cesspool right. of feces and urine to the tune of, you know, many, the size of many football fields, um, and, you know, uh, 20 feet deep and filled to the brim with, uh, with animal waste. And this illustrates in some ways the best to understand the output from these massive facilities where animals are, are confined. Um, and, and the gases that escape the, from there. The gases escape, and uh, it is more potent than carbon dioxide, which everybody talks about a lot. That The scale, we have to understand the scale of this industry to understand how, how important it is to the environment. The 
animal production uh, industry is animal food production industry is is getting a pass, and they're also uh, getting a, a huge boost in various ways, all different kinds of ways. So you can't really keep track of it all, and it's all most of it is under the radar, and um, and a number one. Uh, Republicans and Democrats do not disagree on any of it. Right. So you never hear about it in the news. It's not, a, it's not an issue. You're listening to Mothering Earth with me, Salwa Khan. My guest, author Pamela Rice, and I have been talking about the effects of meat production on the environment. After the break, we'll talk about a diet that actually helps protect the environment. My next guest represents a group that eats an earth-friendly diet. He's Timothy Thorpe, campaigns and policy officer of the Vegan Society of the United Kingdom. This is the group that actually came up with the term vegan to describe people who refuse to eat or use any item that has animal origins. Their definition of veganism say they seek to exclude as far as possible all forms of exploitation and cruelty to animals, including food, clothing, or for any other purpose. I asked Timothy Thorpe how he became a vegan. Nobody in my family was vegan when I was growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, I used to eat a lot of meat. Um, I, I changed, I, I became vegetarian when I was, um, I think, probably 18. Um, <laughs> and um, I think I, I was interested in environmental issues. I went on to study environmental science um, and and I kind of had a, a good understanding from that of just how resource intensive um, this was. I think that, that was my main concern. I liked animals. I, I loved animals. I had, a, I had pets, um, but I hadn't really made that kind of ethical connection yet. And I think my main concern um, was kind of environmental issues. That's what I was really interested in. Um, but I think once I had eventually made that change um, to going vegan or trying out veganism, um, it, it really changed my perspective and my attitude towards animals. It's almost as if it gave me the space to um, to kind of think differently about them. Um, and, and, and so then it very much became um, a kind of direct ethical concern for animals as well. Um, yeah, so that was that. That was the turning point for me. And and was it difficult? Uh, in fact, if you could speak uh, of your from your own experience, in terms of what advice might you give someone who wants to become vegan but isn't sure how to go about it? Yeah, I think this is a is it difficult. This is a really. Um, We've, I've, I've had this conversation with colleagues and, and other vegans about uh, the different journeys there. For me, it was a very gradual process, um, and it was something that I I don't kind of jump into decisions. I'm quite a deliberative sort of person, and, and it was something that I kind of tried and tested over time and kind of gradually phased out um, milk and um and I wasn't necessarily confident in uh, in in my kind of philosophy at the time, but um, that that was a, a gradual process, and I, I became more and more confident about it. Um, 
I think for other people, it's very much a kind of almost a moment of realization, a kind of moment of um, uh, an ethical sort of step change or a moment of horror um, at the um, uh, at what goes into our food and, and other things. Um, so I think, yeah, my kind of one main piece of advice would be don't see it as a failure if you uh, can't remain kind of on a vegan diet. If you want to do this and you feel like that's where you are ethically, um, you know, just don't be too harsh on yourself um, and, and mm. treat it as a process. Um, and I would also say connect with other people who have already done it, you know, um, particularly in like a find some non-judgmental spaces um, and, you know, vegans will be really, really keen to share tips about nutrition um, share t- tips about um, buying things products that are really good um, for vegan diets, um, recipes, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, kind of seek out some advice as well. Uh, let's say you uh, become a vegan and you become a parent. How would you, uh, would you be, rather would there be any concerns about raising children on a vegan diet from from birth um no there's there's no reason why um why people shouldn't do that no reason from a health or nutrition point of view um but it absolutely means um getting some seeking out some good information and good advice um if people are in that situation they can go on our website and we've got information about um about that and we can we've got a a registered dietitian on staff as well um, Mm -hmm. who can help if if people have got any concerns Um, there are books out there about um, about the nutritional kind of needs of children and also about veganism during pregnancy um, which is another uh, really important stage Um, there might be um, for example uh, in younger people there's a um, there's more need for calcium. So making sure you've got mm-hmm. a good source of calcium. Now, calcium is present in all sorts of uh, leafy green vegetables uh, and other things. Um, but yeah, just, just making sure that you understand where those key nutrients are com- coming from um, and they will be slightly different at different life stages. And then uh, the other sort of uh, group of people that you often hear, you know, can't be vegan or can't even be vegetarian is athletes because, you know, you have to have meat in order to be an athlete, which I don't quite understand. But uh, can you talk about that? How, how you can be an athlete, obviously, on a vegan diet. And in fact, I believe some really star athletes have been vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's, there's loads of vegan um, athletes. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I, I can't necessarily speak to the kind of performance um, side of that. Or I, I know that some athletes do choose to go vegan because they, they feel that there might be benefits to their um, performance. Um, but yeah, certainly everyone from, you know, cyclists to um, weightlifters um, to footballers. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's absolutely no, no, no evidence that you, that, that being a vegan um, puts you in a, a worse position to, to compete in any of these sports. Um, obviously there's a high requirement for, um, for protein. People are building a lot of muscle, um, and often athletes need a, a lot of energy. Um, but yeah, you can definitely get these things on a well-planned vegan diet. Um, you can, you can get a huge amount of protein. The first port of call I would say is visit the vegan society's website. I think right. d- depending on what, you know, what's, 
driven to vegan veganism and what questions they've got in their mind um yeah the different resources might be suitable for different people um but we've got stuff on there on um nutrition and health at all different life stages um you know on on medications um we've got stuff on there um for um different institutions um so schools hospitals um we've got stuff on there uh, we've got loads of recipes on there um and also information about the kind of environmental footprint of different recipes and stuff so i know uh, as a vegetarian uh it's difficult when i go to a restaurant to find uh something to eat <laughs> so does being a vegan limit those choices even more and if so what do you do one thing you can do is if there's uh, a place that you um would like to go to or would like to go to more often um maybe local to you um that has vegan it doesn't have many vegan options or doesn't have any vegan options um you can sometimes you know have a conversation with uh you know the restaurant owners particularly if it's a small Mm. business um you know maybe they haven't had time to 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 kind of think about whether their uh um whether their menu caters to a kind of modern audience or uh you know, and they might not have realized that there's a, a vegan market for them, for them there locally. Um, right. So, yeah, it's always worth having having that conversation. I, I think we are seeing a, a trend of more people going vegan. Um, and I think it's a trend that could um, potentially accelerate. It's it's the kind of thing where uh, there's a there's a, a herd mentality, isn't there, amongst amongst people uh, and um, people, I think, will get on board with something that they that they can see is right and that they feel is right um, once they see people around them doing the same thing. So um, the fact that we've seen, um, that we've got evidence to, to suggest there's been an increase in, in veganism, we saw uh, an increase between 2014 and 2019 um, of 400% in the amount of vegans in the UK. Wow. Um, and although that was from a very small number to a slightly less small number, the, the direction of travel there is is um is definitely a, a rapidly increasing so um so i'm quite optimistic in that respect um and yeah i mean i i think i think we can actually imagine um a future within certainly within my lifetime um where where animals are no longer exploited i think there's 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 other factors at play that could feed into that so one of them for example is we've seen a real revolution in the um, the way protein is produced um, and, and the way protein is going to be produced for the food system. Um, so kind of innovative food technologies that, that can create protein from um, uh, advanced fermentation processes and things like that um, to, to add into foods um, that really can disconnect um, food from its land use and, and impact. So, and, and that's not across the, all of food, but you know, I think protein, if the cost of protein um, for, you know, internationally goes down, which it's projected to do over the next uh, few decades um, of that's non-animal proteins, um, then I think you'll see a, a, a real shift where, where actually, you know, the economics will, will be behind this as well. And what about the environment? Timothy Thorpe's area of focus with the Vegan Society is on the environmental impact of food production and therefore on issues related to meat production, agriculture, and climate change. We're also doing a lot of work on climate issues. Um, So the UK is going to be hosting um, the International Climate Summit 
next year. Um, so um, we really want to make sure that um, at the climate summit, the um, connection between food and, and climate um, is is really made, uh, and we start mm-hmm. to see action there because I think people have understood now that the role of um, the role of uh, energy production, the role of transport when it comes to climate change and burning fossil fuels. Um, and I think kind of the next step on that journey of, of realization for people um, is is the links between agriculture and uh, and climate climate change. So we're working on that a lot. Yeah, I actually I think that's a hugely important area because even the major environmental organizations always seem to address transportation and energy but they never address food production which is as big a contributor to climate change and and I've always found that baffling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And I, I think um the they um this been a reluctance to to wade in there. I think it's seen as being, I think, by other organisations, um, often organisations see it as being almost too personal um, for them to take a stance on because it's people's uh, food choices. But I think that's actually, in the last few years, uh, that has changed. And I think there's a willingness, people, there's an understanding there that people are starting to make that connection. Um, and we have seen uh, environmental organisations um, start to move, change that stance to, to talk about um, food and farming a lot more. If you care about the environment, you need to examine your diet and find ways to limit or eliminate meat. Check out the Vegan Society website at vegansociety.com. I hope you'll subscribe to the Mothering Earth podcast and tell people you know about it. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. Mm